I have heard it said that before the truth can set you free, you need to recognize which lie is holding you hostage. But sometimes it is the truth that is spoken or read which exposes the lie currently holding us hostage. And it is at that point that we have a decision to make. In September of 1823, God set about his work of restoring Israel and gathering the lost tribes. The herald of this great work of restoration would be the coming forth of the Nephite record, a book designed to help the stumbling Gentiles, so that they who erred should receive understanding and learn doctrine. According to the revelation given to Joseph through the Urim and Thummim, the saints were instructed to rely upon the words written in the Book of Mormon, for in them are all things written concerning my church, my gospel, and my rock. And both the Bible and this newly translated record contain prophecies that this record was to grow together with the Bible unto the confounding of false doctrines, and laying down contentions, and establishing peace. This was the first time God set his hand to restore Israel. But God, being in the midst of eternity, and knowing all things, chooses weak men to do his work, even as he always has throughout history, so that humanity might learn not to put their trust in men. Cursed is the man who puts his trust in men, says the scriptures, and yet it seems to be our natural tendency to do so. We have done even as ancient Israel did. After God had delivered them from Egypt, he desired to meet and have a special personal relationship with his children at Mount Sinai. But Israel, having prepared themselves physically, but not spiritually, was afraid and they refused to hear the voice of the Lord for themselves. Instead, they elected to make Moses stand in between them and their God. And they continued under this system until Christ died on the cross, and the temple veil was torn in two, finally removing that barrier that was between God and man. And the gift of the Holy Spirit was then granted unto all those who would repent and believe in him so that we could hear and know God for ourselves, and be directed by him in all things. And this is the relationship with God that we are taught that we're to have, both in the Bible and in the Book of Mormon, which is how things began in 1829. The elders, priests, teachers, and all of the membership of the church had equal footing with God. Anyone could prophesy and work in the gifts of the Spirit, and many revelations and prophecies were given among them, and many of those came to pass. But Israel always did desire a king, even against the counsel of God. And measures were taken, not according to the counsel given us in the scriptures, but according to the wisdom of men. And we began to mend that old tattered temple veil once more, propping up one man as our Moses, our go-between and our representative for God on earth, to be the only man who could hear God on behalf of the church, and who could not be questioned nor corrected by any other person. We then took the revelations given to this one man, and we printed them, after God had warned them three separate times 
within the revelations themselves, that they were not to publish these things. And even after one of the elders of the church had prophesied that if they did print these things, the printing press would be demolished and the saints would be run out of Jackson County. They proceeded to do so anyway, and the printing press was destroyed, and the saints were indeed run out of Jackson County. And after this, they then took those revelations and changed them, even revelations that had been given through the same means as the Book of Mormon, by the gift and power of God through the Yerman Thummim, and they altered them so as to completely change their meaning and make them appear to confirm their errors, rather than standing as a testimony against them. And then we took that printed book, the book that God had told us not to publish, and we elevated it, even by action of the elders of the church, and we elevated it to be above both the Bible and the Book of Mormon in importance. Before long, nearly all of the original witnesses to the Book of Mormon would leave the church because of the errors that they could no longer be reconciled to, having rejected the dangerous path that men, not God, had steered the church into. But brothers and sisters, we should not despair. For as I said, this was the first time that God had set his hand to restore Israel. Because of our disobedience, we remain Gentiles still. But understand this mystery, that the blood of the lost tribes flows in the veins of the Gentile nations. We must repent, even as the Book of Mormon says, and finally put down the wisdom and the errors of men which has caused us to reject the plain and simple truths of the Book of Mormon. If we do this, we will then be numbered among the house of Israel. Consider, if you will, how God exists in the midst of eternity, and therefore he knows all things that would happen before they happen. God understood what Joseph Smith and other men would do, and yet he still chose him to bring forth the Book of Mormon, he did this knowing how he would fall into error, and what the effects of those decisions would be on us. The Book of Mormon says he chooses the weak things of this earth, and God does this so that we might remain humble, but also so that we would learn not to trust in man. God chose men who would stumble, and yet we know that everything he does is for our benefit. So I ask you, what benefit might God have had in mind? In what way are the mistakes done in the early church, and the mistakes of every man called of God since that time? Of what benefit are they to us? What is the benefit of the church institution failing us? What is the benefit of our priesthood failing us? And what is the benefit of we ourselves even failing ourselves? I have to wonder, my friends, if God did not allow all of this to transpire and continue to transpire, because mankind has always looked for a man to follow. It is part of our very nature, which nature is an enemy of God. The sin of ancient Israel in desiring a human king is the same sin as latter-day Israel, and God has set out to break us of this habit, causing us to taste the bitter, that we might come to finally prize the sweet what the Lord has done in delivering us over to the things that we have desired is that we might finally learn the lesson and forever repent of this iniquity. He has done this for our benefit, 
and so that there might be a people in the last days who would never again look to men, but look to Christ alone as their head, foreseeing all that would happen, and weaving it into his great plan and purposes for us. He caused the prophecy to be given in Isaiah 11.11 that God would set his hand a second time to recover his people. What will he recover us from? Is it not dead religion? Dead religion which has us performing dead works according to the doctrines of men and demons. And he will gather the elect, all of those who will forsake their traditions and the errors and heed the voice of the Lord. And he will gather them unto himself. And there will be one shepherd and one fold. And also it is written that God, the Father of heaven and earth, shall do this work himself, so that we will know that he is God. May we cry out to him alone for our deliverance. And when he comes and cuts our chains, may we quickly arise and follow him out of the prison, rejoicing as we walk with him into the kingdom. Join us for discussion in our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hope of Zion or at our YouTube channel, Teacher in Zion. That's the word teacher, space, and in Zion spelled as one word. My books can be found at amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Douglas Hatton. That's H-A-T, like a hat on your head. T-E-N, like the number 10. Until next time.